Now, the author leaves us in no doubt as to what our passage is about today. Glance down to verse 1 on page 273. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. Verse 7, over the page. Now, Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Verse 19, the Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. Verse 21, the Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. Chapter 4, verse 1, and Samuel's word came to all Israel. In other words, here is a passage of scripture, a chapter of the Bible, centered upon the word of the Lord. God revealing himself to his people Israel, God on speaking terms, again with his people. And in the context of this book, here is hope for Israel amidst their leadership crisis, this corrupt leadership we saw last week, and the spiritual failure across the nation. Hope, God speaking again, the word of the Lord central to it all. Now, of course, there are many people today who do not care much for God's word, and that could be you. You could be someone here looking into Christian things, and you think to yourself, you know, what... Who cares about this book that was written some 2,000 years ago? How can this book possibly speak relevantly to my life today? But what we're going to see, hopefully from this chapter this morning, is that this book really is no ordinary book, but it is the very word of God that speaks powerfully and relevantly to all our lives today. In the recent survey that Kale did through our um, midweek Inspire groups, of the 50 or so of you who responded to the uh, survey, so it's a small sample set, but of the 50 or so of you who did respond, only 48% said that you read your Bibles daily. Now look, there could be all sorts of reasons for that uh, figure. Could be you're reading it five or six times a day, didn't want to say every day because you know it's not always that way. Could be all sorts of reasons, but as a headline figure, Only 48%, less than half of us, are actually reading the word of the Lord daily. And as a headline figure, that is worrying. That is not good for our soul. As the word of God is so easily drowned out in our lives amidst all the competing voices or just the daily business of life. Here is a passage of scripture to show us the seriousness of that situation, to wake us up from any spiritual complacency and stupor, and to remind us afresh of the central importance of God's word and why it's so vital that our lives are shaped by it every day of our lives. So come with me to the passage now. We're gonna move from a famine of God's word in verse one, through a prophet of God's word in verses two to 18, to a feast of God's word in verses nine to the end. So from a famine of God's word, through a prophet of God's word, to a feast of God's word. First, a famine of God's word. Take a look with me at verse one. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. Now, I'd be interested to know what you make of that sentence, how you react to it, whether you're bothered by it very much or not. The word of the Lord was rare. I wonder if we realize just how serious a situation that is to be in. 
Imagine you ask me afterwards how my wife Jo is doing, and I say to you, I don't really know. She, she rarely speaks to me nowadays. How would you respond? I hope you would respond with concern. I hope you think, oh my goodness, what's going on? What's wrong with their marriage, Mark? You're right. What have you done? Is there anything I can do to help? We have that phrase, oh, they're no longer on speaking terms together. It is never good. And God is not on speaking terms with his people here. The word of the Lord was rare. Not silent. God had sent a man of God last week with a message of judgment. Not silent, but rare. There were not many visions, literally revelations. God no longer revealing himself to his people. Their relationship broken, their relationship in trouble. Increasingly cut off from him the source of life. So serious is a situation when the word of the Lord is rare that later on in the Old Testament, the prophet Amos describes it like a famine. A very evocative picture where people are starving spiritually because they have no access to the bread of life. It is awful, it is tragic when the word of the Lord is rare. Let me just quickly show you a picture of a famine because we are all used to what physical famine is like. As we look at it, we recoil from it. We think it is terrible. We want it to stop. We don't wish it for anyone. We give to it. We pray against it. Do we realize how serious a spiritual famine is when the word of the Lord is rare? Spiritual starvation, spiritual death, souls wasting away. This is how this chapter begins. The word of the Lord was rare. Now you can't help but look at what's happened in our country over the past generation or so as a nation as a whole has turned its back on the word of the Lord and certainly God's word has been silenced in the public sphere to realize that in many ways the word of the Lord is rare today. And I hope that all of us here can see how serious a situation that is. We're told to listen to our own thoughts, to listen to our own feelings. You can determine who you are, how you live. We are starving ourselves. And we don't even realize it most of the time. Don't see what we are doing to ourselves. For most of us here, the word of the Lord will not be rare for us in our lives. We have access to Bibles at home. We hear God's word read and preached to us each Sunday here. But it is very easy to take God's word for granted. I don't know how easy you find it to switch off in the reading of the, the Bible in the Sunday service, how easy it is to let your mind wander and drift in the sermon. Are you doing it now? We hear it all the time. So easy to become complacent, so easy not to appreciate or just to lose sight of how precious these words are. The word of God, life-giving words, words that you and I desperately need 
each day. Then whether we realize it or not, we starve ourselves. Starve ourselves of the very bread of life. Now look, let me say, I know how busy life is. I know back from my trading days how difficult it can be when you have to get up very early in the morning, whilst it's still dark, to get to work, how you want to give yourself to your work and be fully committed to it, when you're exhausted at the end of the day, want to relax a little bit, have a little bit of time to yourself before you go to bed and it all starts again the next day. It is difficult, it is hard, it is easy to not want to read God's word, to give it a miss. Do you see how serious that is? The picture the Bible gives of that reality, if it is in your life, if the word of the Lord is rare, it is like a famine, you are starving yourselves. Let this be a warning to us all. If you are someone here new to Christian things, it's great to have you here. Let me encourage you, if you've not done so before, to read the Bible for yourself. Just start in the New Testament with the Gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Very few people have read it the whole way through. It will take you an hour, Mark's Gospel. And God promises to feed your soul. Regulars here, may it never be said of us that the word of the Lord was rare in our lives in 2020. Can I encourage us all to be feeding on God's word? Let's nourish ourselves on it. Let's go to the bookstall afterwards and find resources that will help us with that. And let's allow God's word to do its work in our hearts and lives this year. So that's the first thing to see, a famine of God's word. Let's move on secondly to a prophet of God's word. Because in verses 2 to 18, wonderfully, God does not leave Israel in this famine. Um, He raises up uh, a prophet to be his mouthpiece to Israel. And there are three aspects of the verses 2 to 18 that I'd like to draw out. So we're going to spend most of our time uh, here. First, did you notice Samuel's confusion? That as God um, reaches out to Samuel and calls him and speaks to him, Samuel has no idea what is going on. And it's rather comical the way Samuel sort of goes to Eli and then back again. Have just glanced down at verse 4. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli, you know, thinking it's Eli calling him, not the Lord. And said, here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Happens again in verse 6, happens again in verse 8. Samuel completely clueless to what is going on. And then we get this explanatory comment in verse 7. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. There's an incredible sentence. Here is Samuel, arguably the most godliest man in Israel at the time, dedicated to the Lord. He did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Why did he not recognize God's voice? Why did he think that Eli was speaking to him? He did not realize that God could speak like this, that God does speak like this. He had no idea about it. And this is so significant for us today when it comes to understanding the nature of Old Testament prophecy. I hope you can see this is, n- there's n- this is not something that Samuel came up with. 
He had no clue what was going on. This is God taking the initiative. This is God reaching out to Samuel. This is God speaking to him with specific words to pass on to the nation. In the New Testament, the Apostle Peter writes in 2 Peter 1.21, For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. This is such an important moment in salvation history. Here is God establishing the prophetic office for the first time. Samuel is going to be the first in a long line of prophets. This is paradigmatic. This is the first example, a paradigm of how do we see that there's no way that this is something that Samuel made up. This is God speaking audibly to Samuel to pass on his very words to the nation as a whole. Have you noticed that the prophets never hesitate? Well, I think God may be saying this. Let me just try and work it out. I'll be back with you in a few minutes. How can the prophets so confidently say, this is the word of the Lord, thus says the Lord? It is because God spoke directly to them. They were given the exact words to pass on. I hope this is an assurance to us who follow Jesus Christ. If you ever think to yourself, doubt yourself, how can these words, how can this book from 2,000 years ago be relevant to us, to people today? It's because these are not merely human words. It is the very word of God written down for us through human authors. The eternal God speaking to us with his eternal word, eternal relevance. Second thing to notice from this, verses 2 to 18, is how God chooses to speak through a designated individual. Through Samuel. Not the whole of Israel. Okay, look at chapter 4, verse 1, where we're told that God's word comes to all of Israel. It is through God speaking to Samuel that his word comes to everyone else. Presumably, God could have spoken audibly to everyone in Israel but he chose not to. He chose a designated individual, chose a prophet to be his mouthpiece. Again, why is this significant? Because how many of us would love to have God speak audibly directly to us today? How many Christians think God should speak to them like that today? Audibly, directly to them. He doesn't. He never has. He didn't with Israel. He chose a designated individual. He chose a prophet to speak his words to everyone else. And that's exactly how he continues to do throughout history. Old Testament apostles, New Testament, sorry, Old Testament prophets, New Testament apostles, such that now in the Bible we have the full and final revelation of God's word to us. Now, let me be clear, that's not to say that God can't speak to someone audibly today, should he choose to. But it is to say that if we want to hear God speak to us personally today, authoritatively, be absolutely sure that this is God's voice to me, relevant for my life, then it is to the Bible that we need to go. How are people brought to faith in Jesus Christ? Ephesians 1 tells us through hearing and believing the word of God. How is the church brought to maturity in Christ? Ephesians 4, through hearing and believing the word of God. Why is everything that we do at Inspire St. James founded upon God's word? God's word is the heart of everything. Why are we encouraging you right now to be reading your Bibles daily? Because this is no ordinary book. It is alive. 
It is the very voice and word of God recorded for us through Old Testament prophets, through New Testament epistles. So as you read this word today, you can hear God speaking directly to you about everything you need. The word of the Lord, which is alive, powerful, cuts right to our hearts, brings transformation to our lives. This is where we hear his voice today. Thirdly, notice how the first message that Samuel has to pass on to the people of Israel is a message of judgment. Verse 11. And the Lord said to Samuel, see, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. That is tingle in a bad sense shake you to your core. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end. For I told him that I'll judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons uttered blasphemies against God and he failed to restrain them. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. Friends, we can never as Christian believers, never shy away from talking about sin and judgment. It is a wonderful thing that God is on speaking terms again with his people. It is a wonderful thing that God is raising up this mouthpiece, Samuel, for the nation. But what is the first word to his people? It is a word of judgment. Given the context therein, given the Leadership crisis. God hates all evil and injustice. And if we will not recognize our sin, if we will not confess it to the Lord, bring it to him, if we will reject the very sacrificial system that God has provided for the forgiveness of sin as the house of Eli was doing, then judgment will certainly come upon us. It is not a popular message. It will never be a popular message. But it is a message of good news. Because right at the heart of it stands Jesus Christ, the one who sacrificed himself. So we could certainly be forgiven our sin. And have our relationship with God restored and be on speaking terms with God, not just now, but forever. It is good news, the gospel. It is good news for us if only we'd realize the bad news about us first. Sin and judgment, we mustn't shy away from it. It's not easy to talk about sin and judgment with our friends and colleagues. I hope you can see here, it is normal to feel that way. Did you see Samuel in verse 15? He is afraid to tell Eli this vision. Of course he's afraid. It's a terrifying thing to talk about sin and judgment, to think about that, to meditate on that, to bring it to someone's life. But, you know, Eli persuades Samuel, and ultimately Samuel tells him the truth because Eli needs to hear the truth, no matter how difficult it is to bear. Now, we all have a role to play in sharing the gospel message today 
And some of us will lean into the truth side and actually will feel quite comfortable talking about sin and judgment. There are some people like that. But, you know, perhaps you don't have that same hesitancy or grace or compassion or winsomeness that Samuel had with Eli. And we need that too. Others of you, most of us, I imagine, will lead into the compassion side and want to hold off from talking about sin and judgment. We fear it's going to put people off. We want to win a hearing with them first. We think it might be easier for them to embrace Jesus Christ without needing to hear the harder part of the gospel. But we mustn't do that either. How can anyone embrace Christ to save if they don't know what they're being saved from? No, we need both. Truth and compassion. And of course, who did this better than anybody else but Jesus Christ who spoke more about judgment than anyone else in scripture but also came to earth in love to give up his life and bear that judgment for you and for me. Let's not hold back from telling people what they need to hear. So a famine of God's word and a prophet of God's word. Finally, in these last four verses, verses 19 through to four, verse one, we see a feast of God's word. Let me read from verse 19. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, And he let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Bathsheba, recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. And Samuel's word came to all Israel. Here is a wonderful picture of this fresh outpouring of God's word across all Israel. God on speaking terms again. God revealing himself to everyone in Israel, no matter who they are. Bringing words of comfort, of hope, of blessing. How can we find that same blessing today? Did you notice how from Dan to Bathsheba, everyone recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. In other words, they listened to him, God's appointed, designated individual. For us today, of course, that is Jesus Christ. He is the ultimate prophet. He is the very word made flesh. Ultimately, God speaks not through a fallen prophet like Samuel, through a perfect prophet, his own son. So as we look at Jesus Christ in the page of the New Testament, we see God in all his fullness. God fully revealed to us. As we hear his voice, we hear everything that we need to know about God and ourselves and the relationship with God in his world. Could be you're someone here that your world has been shaken this past week and you're looking for a solid foundation. Where can it be found? Could be you're unsure of what to do with your life. Those of us on the younger end of the spectrum, you're looking for wisdom, direction. Perhaps you are suffering physically right now and you are looking for comfort and hope. And where is it truly to be found? Perhaps, given the context of this chapter, you are weighed down by the guilt of sin. You are conscious you're not the person you want to be. Where is forgiveness to be found? Where is there power to change? And the answer to all these questions is found in Jesus Christ. And his final word to us. One who promises forgiveness of sin for all who turn to him. One who promises the power of his own spirit to change. One who promises to never leave us or forsake us. But walk with us every step of our lives. And take us to a sure and certain future. 
Jesus' word is sure. Jesus' word can never be broken. Jesus' word is recorded, all of it down for us here. Will you listen to him? And as we do, as we come to God's word, don't just listen to him, but listen for him. What I mean by that, did you notice that little himself at the end of chapter three? The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. God revealed not simply a doctrine to believe in, as important as that is. Didn't reveal a word of encouragement as much as we need that. Not some life lesson for us to follow through with, although we are of course called to obedience to the Lord. But first and foremost, Lord revealed himself. Christianity is about a relationship with God. Walking with him every day of our lives, assured of his love, coming back to him each day for forgiveness, talking to him, sharing him with others. Lord, I want you, I need you. Reveal yourself to me as I read your word. Reveal not just your word to me, but yourself through your word. So often our Bible reading becomes dry because we forget the one who is behind it all. Do you find that? You forget the relational aspect of reading your Bible? God's voice. God speaking to you. Like a text message from a close friend, we don't just analyze the words for the word's sake. We read them as words from a person communicating with us, revealing themselves to us, talking to us. That is what the Bible is. It is the word of the Lord speaking to you. So let's listen for him. There's nothing else like it as our hearts are transformed by a fresh experience of him through his word. Well, may that be true of all of us in the week ahead. Let me pray that for us now. Let's pray. Father, thanks very much for this next part of 1 Samuel and this central role of your word. We are sorry, Lord, when we don't see the seriousness of a rarity of your word in our lives and the famine that it brings. Thank you for your grace and mercy to us, the way you are patient with us and continue to reveal yourself to us back then through Samuel, your mouthpiece, ultimately through Jesus Christ. Please would you help us to listen to him, to seek you as we read your word and be bold as we share your word with others, telling them the truth about sin and judgment, but so that we can tell them the wonder of your love and forgiveness. Please set our hearts on fire with your word this week, we ask for Jesus' sake. Amen.